off the ball. And Munster are failing at that detail. It's not the big picture that's killing them. It's it's the minutia, the detail that's taking them apart. Subscribe to the Rugby Stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Kathleen McNamee is with us. Kathleen, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, guys. Doing well. Uh, the Ballon d'Or, minor controversy in England in particular, because uh, they thought that uh, they were going to win it. Yeah, they thought Beth Mead was a bit of a certainty to win it, which I don't know what I go that far. I was actually just looking at it there. Someone tweeted the voting and uh, Patel's won it by 164 votes. Mead got 163. Oh, right. So it was very tight and actually tighter than I expected it to be. Um, I was talking to some people about it last night and I reckon if Patel had played the Euros, she probably would have run away with it. Like, so just for people who are unfamiliar, who is she? So she is a Spanish and Barcelona midfielder. Uh, she won it last year as well. She's the first woman to ever retain it twice. She was the first Spanish player since Luis Suarez in 1960 to win it last year when she won it first. Um, last year, she captained Barcelona to domestic treble. They retained the league title for the third time in a row. They also won all 30 of their games. I mean, they're incredibly dominant in Spain. Uh, they lost the Champions League final to uh, Leon, which was quite a surprise at the time. Maybe it shouldn't have been. I think it was because Barcelona were so dominant. We just expected that Leon, or that because Barcelona was so dominant, we expected them to put up a bit more of a fight. But she was the only one that scored for them. Um, and then she was expected to lead Spain to glory this summer in the Euros. And the day before the tournament started, she tore her ACL and hasn't played since. Um, she scored 18 goals last season from midfield. And she also scored 11 in the Champions League, which made her the top scorer in the Champions League. Um, so, I mean, she is an incredibly good player. She has been in the eye line for these sort of awards for a while now. She also won Best European Player of the Year twice in a row. Whereas Beth Mee, this is the first time she's been nominated for the Ballon d'Or. She did have an incredibly good season. And she scored 14 goals for Arsenal in the league last year. Uh, created eight assists. She was top scorer at the Euros. She won player of the tournament at the Euros. So I can understand why English fans might be a little bit aggrieved. Definitely. And if, if Beth Mead was player of the tournament and, and Alexia missed it because of injury, you're like, oh, that was the big tournament of the year. Well, it depends on what you're judging, judging off on. as yeah. well. Because like Arsenal didn't go that far in the Champions League. Arsenal didn't win the league title. You know, it, it depends. And I know people will say, well, like Barcelona are so dominant in Spain. So what is the competition for them there? But they did have some matches where they were quite competitive. And even in the Champions League, they kind of proved that they were that good. They beat Arsenal 4-1 I think in the group stages in the Emirates and then the second leg as well was equally kind of a big scoreline. So I I can see it from both sides but I do also see why English fans are a little bit like, but we won the Euros why can't we win this too? Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> do we know about the voting? I'm just reading about it here because it used to just be like the a long time ago, maybe this was the FIFA award which they merged for a while and separated. It used to be the uh, national team captain and the manager and uh, France football was always a journalist's award so maybe I'm, I'm confusing there was that period of time where the two merged and then they uh, divorced again but they announced significant changes this year so it was it's the it's that season so it's July to July um, yeah it's the season rather than the year before which is what it always had been previously um and what, as well, what's interesting to see someone like Sam Kerr, who probably would have been as big a name in the WSL last year, 
kind of in third place. She's always been up there in that like top two or three, but just can't seem to break into that number one. Um, and again, I wonder how many of the people voting were paying as much attention to like because she obviously wasn't playing the Euros. She's an Australian player. How much were they paying attention to their World Cup qualifiers and their international games? Um, because it just seems that she's always on the outside of those. Also, interestingly, Vivian Miedema slipped down to 11th, which was very low for her. Mm. Um, and this is actually something that we talked about on Koi Gig last night, new episode dropping today for anyone who is interested. But the fact that she... She's been playing in a deeper role since um, Blackstenius joined. Blackstenius has kind of been the, the point person for Arsenal. And Vivian Mirabel has said this several times. She prefers playing there, but she's just not as good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she doesn't score as much. Um, and I, I don't think it's necessarily even the players around her, but it's just interesting that she doesn't want to be that point person scoring goals. You know, she's playing more kind of more of a 10 role um, and doing a lot more work in midfield than she would have before. So it's interesting to see that that's kind of been a bit reflected in how she's turning up in these sort of major awards. It was, it was like just reading some of Lexi's comments after winning it and like she was talking about the injury. She says, I did not think it would be possible to win this award because of the injury. So she's probably as surprised as anyone. Uh, you know, when you've spent a bit of time out that you're like, oh, I'm not going to win any individual awards. But fair play to her. She's done it. Yeah, and then it comes at an interesting time for the Spanish team. You know, we talked about this before, but obviously there's 15 of their players who aren't playing with the squad at the moment because of um, issues with the manager and the National Federation. And she was asked about it last night, and she's like, it's something I want to talk about at some stage, but tonight's not the night. Tonight is a night for celebrating, which you can understand as well. Um, but it will be interesting to see if she does have thoughts at some stage because I mean she's the most well-known player in the world probably at the moment and she's up there anyways uh, Manchester United at women's level I was listening to Andy Mitten on, on MUTV he was talking last night about being at this game at the weekend the Brighton match um, serious start of the season from United was this expected? Not at all uh, it's their best ever start in the WSL so far they are completely unbeaten they haven't conceded yet they're at the top of the table they're on level points with Arsenal but they're ahead on goal difference by one I think it is at the moment um, what's really interesting about this United team is they obviously are only in the WSL a couple of seasons they didn't really have a squad for such a long time Casey Stoney was the manager at the start and she seemed to be really good at building those foundations bringing in those young players pulling together a squad that outperformed itself a lot of the time and now Mark Skinner has come in and he said quite a lot last season that you know United were up there they were competing but you weren't really sure they were going to get into the Champions League spots they kind of tailed off by the end of the season which is what they had done a lot but this season they seem to have signed really smartly their players are really clicking I mean you even look at the England players who played in the Euros they have Ella Toon, Alessia Russo and Mary Earps. Mary Earps is a completely different player mm. this season to what she was last season. Some of the saves she's pulling off are phenomenal. Uh, Alessia Russo hasn't actually even been playing the last couple of games because she's injured and she's out for another couple of weeks Ella Toon is on fire they brought in like Adriana Leon who's a Canada international who's really really good and it it just seems to be a team that has stepped up to a different level this year. Now, it will be interesting to see. They haven't really faced a massive test, and particularly their midfield is a little bit maybe one of the more problematic areas that they have at the moment. Um, but they're playing Arsenal and Chelsea, 
I think it's like November 6th and November 11th or 12th. It's kind of around those like middle weeks in November. They're playing Arsenal and Chelsea one after the other. So that will be a good test for them. Um, and especially maybe coming at a good time for them because Arsenal and Chelsea are both playing in the Champions League this week. Obviously, a lot of their players are just coming out of internationals. There's a very tight fixture schedule for those sort of teams at the moment. So might be catching them when they're a little bit tired and a little bit not as great as you would expect them to be um, even you look at Arsenal at the weekend they'd be Reading 1-0 Reading or bottom of the table really the sort of game that Arsenal should be pushing at least three or four goals by and they didn't um, so yeah it might be good timing for United to, to get themselves up the table Ella Toon was yeah saw the highlights and, and like two goals and an assist she was brilliant against Brighton but uh, the thing that one of the things that Andy Mitten mentioned that really struck me was that you know the home fans at these games in Lee are now more of the element of United fans that go to the, the men's games there's more of a chanting element there's more of a, a culture of you know we'll head to the pub and go to the match whereas before it was a lot of I guess young girls and, and you know people interested in the team but now it's it seems to be a lot more of you know regular Manchester United fans going to these games and I'm sure it probably transfers to other clubs in the WSL as well Yeah and Lee is an interesting one I was there a couple of times during the Euros and it's quite difficult to get to from mm. Manchester even just like if I was going to an evening kickoff the only way to get back into Manchester was to get a taxi or an Uber or something, unless you were on like a specific van bus. Um, and it, like, there's a pub right beside the pitch, and you go in there, and like, they're lovely, they're really good crack, and they're so invested in the women's team. And you could sit there for hours, and like, the kind of the outlaws sitting at the bar that you wouldn't expect to be all that interested will turn around and they'll give you like a breakdown of every single player on the team. So you seem to have created a really, really nice atmosphere. Um, I remember even following the Orange fans, you know, the way they have their big bus and they go along and they do all their dances and their chants. Uh, they went down this tiny little estate and it was just like people coming out and standing in their doorways being like, what is going on? <laughs> but like loving every second of it and talking to a few of the locals and they were like we love the fact that the team play here because it brings so many people into this kind of relatively small kind of I suppose it's probably a suburb maybe technically of Manchester um, and the sort of people that just would never come here usually there is an argument to be said if it was a little bit more central it, it might be good for the team just in terms of attracting more of those fans who go to Old Trafford every week but no there I think especially for English fans I think the Euros did a massive job mm. to bringing those people in you know when I was covering it over the summer, I could go into a pub and it would be on the TV and everyone would actually be talking about it. And that was the first time I'd ever watched women's football in a pub surrounded by people. Like it was, I actually remember getting slightly emotional at one stage and turning to my boyfriend and being like, this is, this is why I do the work I do. This is what I want to be able to, I want to be able to sit and have a pint and enjoy a match and actually feel that atmosphere. So I really do think it did go a long way. And I've, I had so many of my male friends as well say that they're now going to WSL matches just because of the crack they had over the summer in London or wherever it was watching those games so it is great to see and I hope it continues and I hope the World Cup next year for us will bring some of that to like the Women's National League and we can keep doing that because I mean I was talking to Karen Duggan about she played with P-Mount against Cork down in Cork at the weekend and she was like we won a World Cup qualifying place 
during the week there was barely anyone at our game mm. you know we we need that bounce to come here too so yeah, it, 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 and it won't be straight away and it, it, the difficulty with the kickoff times is that no one's probably going to be going to the pub for the Ireland-Australia games and yeah. if we get New Zealand um, that's even worse in terms of the kickoff times but we're on this journey now where if there is a legacy from um, those matches being in England then hopefully the time the next Euros happens will qualify and people will go and, and that fan culture begins to build. Yeah. I'm planning full on, you know, like whenever there's rugby tours and all the matches are on at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm planning to be one of those people that's finding an early house around the place. But no, you are right. And it is going to be difficult. But I also think there's a lot of potential there as well in terms of people are going to be waking up wanting to hear these stories. They're going to be waking up wondering what's happening. And it it's a great opportunity for us to be like, okay, well, here, here's what happened overnight. Oh, look, there's a Women's National League game going on or you can go to your local park today and see this happening. Um, so there are definitely ways to like feed it into the system and feed it into the culture a little bit more. I think that's the next conversation to be had. It's like, are the FAI ready to capitalize on the potential and the opportunity that they have at the moment? And, um, you know, it's been clear that a lot of the great work that's been done around advertising the women's team has actually been done by third parties by Sky, by Cadbury's who have taken the team and shown how to market them and told their stories and amplified them and got them involved in that process and so you'd hope that um, that continues but it'd be great if the FAI were actually able to then say well at the same time we're trebling or quadrupling the number of women coaches that there are to go into schools to make sure that every school team has access to good quality coaching. And, you know, um, we haven't, we didn't capitalize on, on the men's team qualifying for their first World Cup in 1990 in a way that they could have done. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can carry that off. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's kind of like what you're saying as well. Like say, say if there is a match, it starts really early in the morning and kids are just going into school as it's finishing. Say that day, if the FAI are sending coaches into the school and being like, okay, well, Ireland just did this this morning. Here's like, let's talk about what Katie McCabe did or what Denise Sullivan, or let's have like study this goal and like practice it on whatever it is. There are so many great ways that you can get kids engaged at that stage. And I think what we, like what we keep talking about what we want to do with this grassroots thing is we want to make sure there are more of those female coaches coming through we want to make sure that this generation's legacy doesn't go to waste and that we're not sitting here say like with the women's rugby team what happened exactly they great, were great winning. template there how to blow it yeah exactly um like whenever i think about it, it just makes me so angry but we have such an opportunity now to rewrite that part of Irish women, Irish sports history. I'm not even going to put the women tag on it. Irish sports history and really capitalize on this, really use it as a moment to push the country forward. Because the other side of this is as well, there's not a whole lot of joy in the world at times, especially after the last few years. And this is an opportunity to give people some joy. I know like tournaments like the World Cup, even if you're not a sports person, if Ireland are playing in it, you, you, get, you get excited and it's yeah. fun and you enjoy it and you you can jump on the bandwagon as much as you want. You know, no one's going to tell you to get off. So I just think it's a great time for the FAI to really dig in. And the thing is, at the end of the day, it's only going to benefit them in the long term. You know, if they have more of those world class players coming through and going to the WSL or if they have more people attending games 
then that's only more revenue coming in. It's more fans, it's more customers, it's more people buying your shirts, it's more people going to games, it's more people, administrators and coaches. It's like a, it is that rolling ball of momentum. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. So when is the new episode dropping? Today. Should be up and it could already be up actually, but should be up in the next few hours if not. All right. Kathleen, good stuff. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Whatever you grow, we'll save a bro.